You are listening to Behind the Pulpit Podcast, Episode 6. Interview with Missionary Richard Lucas, Part 2. Welcome to Behind the Pulpit Podcast. This is Tim Lucas. Hey everyone, this is Nigel. Not, uh, Ryan's not with us anymore. Well, I mean, he's alive, but he's not on a call. <laughs> we are just three regular guys who are passionate about growing young ministers. If you are a young minister or if you're just thinking about becoming a minister, this show is designed for you. On today's show, we're joined by missionary Richard Lucas for part two. Hopefully you had a chance to hear part one. If not, you're going to want to get it. It is full of good stuff. Future Tim here. I realized that we forgot to readdress why Ryan is not on the call this week. Last week, you'll remember that it was his anniversary. So he went out to eat with his wife. And so that's why he's not on this episode. And without further delay, Nigel, why don't you get us back into the interview? Uh, if, I can, if I can pose another question here, Brother Lucas. You know, over the years of ministry, uh, you've, you've seen many that have come to God. And you've seen many that have been saved. Many have, you know, believed in Jesus and been baptized. What would you say has been the most successful way you've used bringing sinners to the Lord? Home Bible study. Home Bible study. Absolutely. And that will work anywhere. In any culture, home Bible studies work. It gives you a chance to get to interact with people on a personal level and find out where they're coming from. And that's so important uh, that many of Jesus' greatest messages were one-on-one with an individual. Right. Uh, the woman at the well, Nicodemus. These are amazing messages, but he spoke them only to one person. And so that one-on-one interaction, it allows them to open up and ask questions and us to answer questions that otherwise they would never open up and ask. Did you many times invite them to your home, or did you go to, uh, is it easier to go to their home and their environment? Um, In Japan, people don't invite you to their home very much. So when I've taught Bible studies to internationals, sometimes they invite me to their home. And to military, they always want me to come to their home. But when I taught Japanese, they just don't invite people to their home very often. Um, it's not unusual for people to work together and be close friends for years and never have gone to each other's home. Wow. Um, it's, a, it's different in that. And so we, in Japan, even people studying English and uh, studying tutoring, they often meet at Starbucks or McDonald's or some, some place. One guy I taught him a whole Bible study Every week for over about a year, a year and two or three months, we met every week at a coffee shop, and uh, we would study together. And uh, he came in. He was a the uh, a manager of an exclusive Italian restaurant. Brilliant man. He used to go to Italy every year for one month, every year, and visit the oh, most wow. famous restaurants and try all their foods, and then buy res- recipes from them. So everything you ate in his restaurant was exactly the same as what you could get at some famous restaurant in Italy. Exactly. And over a year, uh, he came to the Lord, eventually became a pastor, became our first home missionary to go out Japanese and start a church. Great, great man. And uh, then 
he had a girl working for him that was a real cute girl, and they became interested in each other. And she came and said, he told me he won't, we can't be married if I am not a believer and if I won't be baptized. Just so we're clear on the timeline, this is before he was a minister. Just so we're clear. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yes, when he was still a manager of a restaurant. She worked for him, and uh, they were interested in one another. He was still a fairly new convert himself. But uh, he told her he wouldn't marry her if she wasn't a believer and wasn't baptized. And she said, I don't believe she was so, or she was um, a mooning, hated and despised everything about Jesus Christ, (laughs) believed Jesus was the world's greatest loser. And uh, that Sun Young Moon had to come and straighten out all the stupid mess Jesus made. And uh, she was a devout Mooney. She hated Christianity. So I, she said, I am willing to be baptized so he and I can marry, but uh, I don't, if you'll baptize me without me believing. And I said, no, I won't do that. And she said, well, I don't believe. And I said, well, and it wouldn't be right to baptize you if you don't believe. And so I asked her, did she feel she was honest? If she, would she be willing to look at the evidence? And she said, yes. And so I started a home Bible study with her and uh, the two of them. I would go down to their restaurant. They would go off and we'd go to a restaurant next door to another restaurant and have a Bible study every week. And uh, she asked the most difficult questions I've ever had anyone. I've never had a preacher ask questions as difficult as she asked. A brilliant woman. Absolutely brilliant and uh, very sincere, and watching the Spirit of God turn the lights on in her mind, and watch God deal with her and transform her, when she realized she totally believed, I mean, she believed with everything in her, and became one of the strongest believers I've ever known. And I don't think I've ever seen more visible transformation in someone when they get the Holy Ghost than her. It was absolutely. It was like a visible glow that just instantaneously came over her face. It was amazing. Entered into a walk with God that was so strong. A walk with with God in prayer. Um, just an amazing. And they married. They, you know, she repented, was baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, and and then a while later they married, and and uh, God gave them sons, two sons, and uh, those sons are just tremendous guys. And now they're uh, they're pastoring up in the area affected by the earthquake and the, the tsunami back back when all that happened. Um, now you mentioned teaching Bible studies to internationals, and this is something that's very interesting. Uh, most people would probably not guess because they know if anybody knows anything about Japan, they know it's a very homogenous country. Last time I checked the statistics, ninety seven percent of residents of Japan, not citizens, residents were of Japanese descent, a hundred percent Japanese, right. not mixed. Not anything. It's 100% Japanese descent. And yet, the church you pastor is very multicultural. And it's not multicultural in the sense of a lot of different segregated groups that happen to meet at the same building. It's very interwoven. How did that happen? No, we do, as you're aware, we we do have two different congregations. Right. But it is one church. We have a Japanese congregation, and everything is in Japanese language. And then we have an English congregation. And in that congregation, it, right. it is incredible. Our church dinners are literally food from everywhere in the world. In our international congregation, we've had U.S. military people. We had a, a girl that was from Hungary. She 
had been paid by the communist government to study Chinese in China for nine years, then came to Japan to study three years, and we won her. And she became a tremendous soul winner, went back and took her mom to church, and her mom became part of the church. And uh, her dad was a doctor, a very high-level individual in uh, Hungary. At, at one time in the church, we had Chinese from Red China, from Taiwan, from Hong Kong, and from Singapore, all coming to church together. That was amazing. Uh, we've had people from Europe, from, and we have Africans from all over Africa. And we've had people go back to areas where a church could not be started because it was Islamic. And uh, they, they got a doctorate here and went back and were given a government job in that area. And so then they were able to start a church. They won people there. And because of their position um, and their respect in the community, they were able to establish the first Christian church ever in, in that area. There have been a lot of churches that were, have started in places all over the world that the people came to the Lord here in Japan. It is, it is amazing how God uses different fields to uh, reach different areas of people or nations. Uh, just like what you said, that you know, people from Islamic nations came to Japan and, and how they received uh, you know the truth, and was baptized, and took it back to uh, their well, country. This, and, and this particular can... guy was not Islamic, but he okay. went to an Islamic area. That's that's awesome. Yeah, but we have we've had people come that were from an Islamic background. Okay, okay, yeah, because I, I I'm going back to Fiji now in my mind, yes. and I know that uh, we brother Kava started a Chinese work. Uh, at the wharf with with fishermen and garment factory workers with, from uh, mainland China, we we actually had even Brother Brecken from Taiwan come yes. and preach, and Brother Caleb Caleb Chung or Caleb Tang. Oh my! I, I don't I don't remember. I think it was Caleb Caleb Chung, uh, and he came and preached as well. But you know, we we witnessed. I, I even had the opportunity to preach at the wharf and. Uh, I've I've saw people baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. And uh, years later, I I I hear just recently I I heard from Brother Carver that they heard Chinese garment factory workers that were there that received the Holy Ghost are working in the underground churches, mm. and thousands and thousands are receiving uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, being oh, baptized. My. And it is amazing. You don't know the impact that uh, that you are making it. That at, is right. You know where, where you at, and when you just mentioned, I just just remembered what what had happened in Fiji. Yes, sir. And so Japan is Japan is reaching all the all over the world, brother Lucas. Part of being a missionary is deputation, which involves traveling to churches all across America and Canada, I believe. What are some of the observations you have made uh, by being able to see such a wide-angle view of our organization? This is one of the greatest privileges. Most missionaries, of course, they love the field they're in, and if, if it were possible to not have to go on deputation, they would prefer that because they're, yeah. they're trying to reach the, the, the field they're in. But 
in deputation, we are in more churches in a shorter period of time across our entire fellowship and in more districts, more district camp meetings, more district conferences, more fellowship meetings, um, more, um, more all types of meetings across our whole fellowship than anyone in our organization, uh, anyone else. We see more of our organization than anybody else in a shorter period of time across the broad spectrum of the organization. And when I was a first aimer, I don't know why this is, but someone took it upon themselves to send word to us that all oh, the whole UPC basically, you know, I hate to put it this way, but was basically going to hell in a handbasket. The, the whole organization was losing holiness and and they told me all kinds of things that uh, all the in the churches now, Sunday school teachers are are dressing immodestly and and all kinds of things and and even mentioned from churches uh, one church that I knew and it just made me sick because that had been a strong church. Well, when I went back, uh, we were appointed. We'd been Amers and we were appointed and we began to travel. I found out that. That church, they said, had let down, had not let down at all. They had had over 100 people get the Holy Ghost in a matter of a few weeks' time. And they didn't kill them all. They loved them and let them be babies. But their leadership still held as strong a stand as they ever had. And they were bringing these new people in and training. And it was a, they were having explosive revival. And what I began to see traveling was, and, and then a, from Scripture, it says it will be so. It says the Lord's going to present to himself a church without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. It'll be holy and without blemish before him in love. And what I found is rather than overall as an organization, us going away from holiness, I have, I have uh, consistently found every deputation that overall we have more and more young ministers that really love. Amen. Um, a godly lifestyle. And they're not just trying to teach a dress code, but they're trying to teach people to walk with God and have a relationship with God and leave the world, come out of the world and really walk with God in a godly life in true holiness. Mm. And again and again, I found, um, I found revival. Um, so many times it's like your own child. When you're there with it all the time, you don't realize it's growing. But someone yeah. who has been away comes and sees it, and they say, whoa, I can't believe how much your child has grown. Well, right. in deputation, I found the same thing. I remember when the central New England district was five states all together and very few churches. I come back after a few years, I realized we have had the greatest revival in the history of North America, and most of us don't realize it. Each of those, Rhode Island alone, has is a booming district, and it used to only have like a couple churches, one or two churches there. It's a booming yeah. district. Massachusetts, I was so shocked when they had more churches by far, probably double the number of churches in Massachusetts alone. The whole Central New England district used to have. I saw that in I saw that uh, each of those had become separate districts, and and I saw that all across our fellowship. Uh, I went. To visit Louisiana, where for years some guys had a kind of a mentality that, well, we've got so many churches, we don't need so many more, except maybe in New Orleans. But now, 
It's just the opposite. They're starting whole mission churches all over the district. Yeah. Texas is growing. You, you, and there yeah. you know. Um, yeah. I remember when Dallas had hardly anything. And now mm. Dallas area has got fantastic churches, fantastic, yeah. tremendous revival churches. Yes. But because it's happening gradually, we don't realize that in North America, we have had one of the greatest revivals that you can find anywhere. But it's happened My. consistently year by year. And I and, and I am so grateful for Brother Bernard's leadership. We yes. elected a leader. Man. Where is there a man who has taken a stronger stand publicly for holiness? Right. Where is there a man who has taken a stronger stand for the essentiality of the new birth? Uh, more, I mean, Brother Bernard is the guy who literally wrote the books on this, these yeah. things yeah. and is recognized by all oneness groups. Yeah. And yet the United Pentecostal Church chose him to be our leader. Right. And so it shows that there is not a heart to go away from these things. There is a heart to go more and more in these directions. Right. I remember when Rocky Mountain District, the whole district probably didn't have 20 churches. Utah alone has almost as many as the whole district used to have. Yeah. Wyoming's got revival. Montana's got revival. As a missionary, we get a chance to see these things on a level that other ministers and saints really don't get a chance to see such a big spectrum in such a short amount of time. What are some of the ways you think we here in America can connect with the Japanese culture? and reach out to them and maybe specifically present our churches in a way that would be enticing and uh, interest them in coming to our church? Well, Brother Timothy, you know, because you've grown up in Japan. Yeah, but I want you to answer. (laughs) But when Japanese come to America, they're like people anywhere. They want to meet people. They want to have friends. They want to experience American things and culture. And so uh, the key anywhere we go in the world is, number one, love people. Number two, respect them. And be friendly. Talk to them. I used to hear it said about sales some years ago that um, if we'll let people talk to us, they will tell us how to sell to them. And it's so important. Um, you know, Paul said to, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, he said, when I'm, when I'm trying to reach a Jewish guy, I don't talk to him from the standpoint of being a Greek. I grew up in Greek society, but I don't come from that standpoint. I talk to him as a Jew to a Jew. Yeah. But when I'm talking to a Greek, I don't talk to him, talk down to him as a Jew who knows the word of God to this ignorant Greek. I come to him as a Greek to a Greek. Yeah. He said, when I'm talking to a man who is a owner, a free man, a, a leader, I don't talk to him like some low-level slave talking to this big shot. He said, I'm a son of the king. I'm a child of God. I talk to him. I try to get on the level with him. I try to find out where he's coming from. But he said, when I'm talking to a slave, I don't talk to him as, well, I'm the son of the king. I come to him, I'm a servant of God. And so 
I talked to him as servant to servant. Mm -hmm. And so he said, I try to understand where the other guy's coming from and try to build some common ground. I try to understand. And even God recognized that different cultures have different value systems. Yeah. That's critically important. That's why we have four Gospels. Right. The book of Matthew is clearly written to the Jews. 68 times it quotes from the Old Testament, and it proves Jesus is the king, the rightful heir to the throne of David. But Luke doesn't do it that way. Mark doesn't. Mark, I think, is written more to the American mind or to the Roman mind. Yeah. Uh, To them, government, authority, military power, all these things were big things to them. And it's an action gospel. It's more like football. It's an action gospel. It's not like soccer. Mark, Mark is moving. It's fast-paced. It doesn't talk about when Jesus yeah. was a little kid. Now you're talking to the wrong starts, guys. Soccer uh-huh. is very much fast-paced, very much That's action. That's why you got Luke. That's why you have Luke. Luke is more to the Greek mind. In fact, it speaks to, it explains Jewish customs. It uses Greek forms of Jewish names. Mm-hmm. Why did God think he had to have a different gospel to the Jews than he did to the Greeks and to the Romans? Right. He recognized there were different value structures in those cultures. And even the same Christ could not be presented the same way to every person. Right. And so we have to understand what's important to the person. And just like not all Americans are the same. Yeah. Brother Nigel, you've been in Texas, and you know that not all Texans are the same. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's people from Austin and people from Houston are like from two different planets. People <laughs> from Fort Worth and Dallas. They're, yep. They're, they're like, you know, Fort Worth is There's a cow two town. Worlds. Yeah. But Dallas is like an Eastern financial capital. And the yeah. mentality... In Texas, they tell me if you see a guy in Dallas and he's got a big, he's got cowboy boots and a big hat and and a big wide buckle belt, uh, buckle on his belt, uh, he's not from Dallas. He's from Fort Worth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because uh-huh. it's a different culture. Yeah, and um, we have to respect that, brother Cole. That's why he was able to start a church in Wheeling, West uh-huh. Virginia, where nobody could oh. start a church. Yeah. Because everybody thought Wheeling, West Virginia, that's West Virginia, that's country and Western music, country and Western jamboree, one of the second biggest country and Western music venue in America. So they always tried to go in from that standpoint. They never reached anyone. He went in, began to talk to people, and found out most people in Wheeling, West Virginia despise country music. They considered themselves more of an education center, more of an Eastern city. And so he began to reach out to them with that understanding, and he built a great church there where nobody had been able to do it before. Yeah, right. we, have to, we have to try to talk to the people and find out what's important to them right. and try to get to know them. And then the gospel is a message that's for everybody. And whatever the person's value structure is and whatever the needs in their life, the gospel is the answer. So be their friend. Love them, be kind to them, be friendly. Invite them over to your house. Invite them to a cookout. They they love to come to a cookout. 
Yeah. Who doesn't? Uh... If you know a good restaurant. Um, there was a pastor in Boston that won several Japanese, and he did it. His wife would bake pies. And also, he met these Japanese that were new students. They couldn't even hardly speak English. And he told them, he said, you know Walmart? And they said, no. He said, Walmart, it's cheap, a low-priced store. I'm going to Walmart. My wife and I are going to Walmart. You want to go to Walmart? They said, he just met them there in a store. They said, yeah. He said, okay, let's go to Walmart. So he took them to Walmart. They were so happy they bought stuff for their dorm room. And so then his wife invited him to dinner. And so they came to dinner. Then they invited him to church. And they came to church, and both of them got the Holy wow. Ghost. Praise God. So it's just loving people and reaching out. Amen. Everybody wants friends. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Nigel, you want to ask one more? For Lucas, uh, for the young person who is interested, uh, who they're listening to this episode, uh, if they're interested in overseas missions work, uh, what would you say is a good way to get involved and get their feet wet? How could they kind of prepare themselves for the work they feel like God is calling them to do? If they will pray and seek God for direction, uh, some think, well, going on AYC is the best answer, and it's good for some, but it's not good for everyone. Some feel like going um, as an aimer is the best direction. I know my wife and I, my wife had never been out of the U.S., and I felt we needed to, I was praying, I felt God dealt with me. We needed to go and work overseas in an English-speaking environment for a year or so and let her get some experience outside America. And we had, we had been assistant pastor and youth pastor, and we had evangelized full-time. And so I, I was at Summer Institute of Foreign Missions. And they're getting ready to start that type of thing again. Every summer, they would invite anybody could come and have like one week of intense time in foreign mission. Um, next steps is a is a little more involved than um, than just AYC, and that's a good program for young people to get involved in. But so I went to that, and afterwards I talked to um, to a director of the Asian missionary director. And I told him what I was feeling. He said, no, no, no. What you need to do is go back. And he gave me some direction. I said, okay. So I went back and tried to follow that. And the Lord shut the door completely. And so I just kept praying and working where I was. Mm -hmm. And I went back the next year I was there. And when I walked in, he said, so how's it been going? And I said, well, I tried that, but God closed the door on that. That didn't work for us. And, and I talked to him about it. He said, well, you know what? I said, you know, I'm really feeling we need to go get some experience overseas in an English-speaking environment for a year. He said, no, 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 that, that's not the answer. He said, what you need to do, and he gave me another direction. So I said, okay. So I went back and tried to follow it. God yeah. shut the door. And uh, so when I walked, the next year I went back again. And when I walked in, he said, look, I got the answer for you. He said, I really feel God gave me a clear direction for you. I hope you'd be here this year. What you and your wife need to do is go somewhere overseas in an English-speaking <laughs> environment 
and get some experience overseas for a year. I said, you know, I've kind of been thinking the same thing. <laughs> and do you know that immediately God opened the door, and we went and worked for a year under Brother Lloyd Shirley, one of the greatest men yes. of God anyone could ever have the privilege of working under. And uh, so we were there a year, pastored in the Caribbean, and uh, my wife went through horrible homesickness there. We went through a lot of things, but it was it became one of the greatest privileges and blessings for us. So each person has to seek the Lord and let God give them direction. Amen. The Scripture says that if we we'll, if we will um, trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not to our own understanding, and all our ways acknowledge Him, He will direct our paths. Right. And if we let God direct our paths, it's all going to work just right. Amen. But if we try to do it on our own, <laughs> good luck. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to need luck. It won't be blessing. It'll be luck. <laughs> right. And I'm not too keen on luck. I would prefer to... Uh, the blessings of the Lord. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so very much, Brother Lucas. We've had a wonderful time. Thank you for your wisdom. Well, I love and you, understanding. brother, and so much. This is this is so good, and uh, we have thoroughly enjoyed your company yes, here today. Yes, it's been fun for me to have time with you, brethren, again today. I, each of you guys, I love you, and I saw the hand of God on your lives there at ABI so much, and I know each of you were such a blessing while you were there in the school, and I'm thrilled to see how God's working in your lives now. Well, thank you. We sure have enjoyed it. Hopefully, before too long, we can do it again. Um, I think we have more than enough questions to ask yes. for another two episodes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for the privilege of this time together. God bless you. God bless you, too. God bless you, too, sir. Thank you so much. Appreciate you so much. We hope you've enjoyed both of these parts of this interview with Reverend Richard Lucas. If you want to see the show notes, go to BehindTheBulletPodcast.com slash six let us know how you think we can improve the show to serve you better by contacting us at facebook.com slash behind the pulpit podcast or emailing us at contact at behind the pulpit podcast.com let us know who else you want us to interview until next time remember you matter to the kingdom of god behind the pulpit podcast